Okay, so we're in the middle of a series called Jesus in Between. We're looking at uh, on the life of Jesus. So we, we talk about, a lot of times we know um, when Jesus was born, December 25th, that's what we think it is, that's when we celebrate Jesus' birth. And then in the springtime every year, the resurrection of Jesus, Easter. So those are the big two holidays that everybody knows a lot about Jesus. They might show up to church a lot on Christmas and Easter. But there's a lot about Jesus in between that we don't know a lot about. Um, or people don't know a lot about. I mean, we know a lot about in the Bible. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And so we've been spending the, this summer looking at Jesus in between, learning by the time when Jesus rose from the grave, why was that such a big deal? We learn about his life in between and why that's such a big deal. Pastor Jonathan gave a great illustration last week. Um, if you think about us here in 21st century America, it'd be like us going to our high school uh, American history class, learning about Abraham Lincoln. And all we ever learn, learn about Abraham Lincoln is when he was born in a, in a, in a log cabin in Illinois and when he was, was, was shot and murdered there in Ford's Theater. And we don't know much about in between. We just know that President Lincoln was, was a good guy. But the fact that we have a chance to understand his life and on a lot greater scale, grander scale, Jesus, we have a chance to learn so much about who he is. So obviously, my message today, what I'm sharing with you, is not the first in this series, and so if you've missed any weeks, you have a total, you have a great chance to go back. Everything's recorded online. You can watch it, Um, or we we learned so much about um, Jesus. We've learned that he's 100% God. We've learned he's 100% man all at the same time. We've learned that he he heals people. We learned that to to be the greatest is not to, uh, you know, all the accolades, but it's to, to be a servant, and so all that stuff, I encourage you to go back and listen if you've, if you've missed, uh, missed any weeks. So we're going to continue our series on, um, on uh, living in Jesus in between. So my freshman year of high school, which all, all of us who have been through our freshman year of high school, if you're in the room getting ready to go into your freshman year of high school, it's always kind of awkward. It can be awkward. A lot of little things changing, both physically as well as maybe a new school. And so when I was in my freshman year of high school, I was, I was excited to, to go to high school However, um, I, was, I was in the uh, band, I was a marching band, concert band, one of the things I did, and uh, so my freshman year of high school, we had our marching band season, then we went in the concert band season. So <clears throat> it was the concert band season, it was our very first concert of concert band season, and uh, our band director went up to us and said, okay, this is what the, uh, the attire is for the event. Um, you gotta wear a white shirt, dark tie, black pants, dark shoes, dark, dark socks. Yeah, whatever, got it, check, boop. So he said that, you know, days went by. It's the night of the concert, okay? Freshman year of high school, night of the concert. I open my closet door. I don't have any black pants. That's a problem, right? However, I'm like, I don't have black pants, but my freshman 14, 15-year-old mind go, but I have navy blue, that's close. So I put navy blue pants on, and I don't have any dark um, shoes. I do have like these tan shoes that have been kind of dark because I've worn them a little bit. So I'll wear dark tan shoes and navy blue pants. No problem. Got it all ready to go. Got my white shirt on, my dark tie. I think I look good. I show up to the high school. Everybody's kind of looking at me funny, like people in the band. And I'm like, what, what's up? Like, Greg, you're not wearing black pants. I said, oh, they're navy blue. Yeah, when you put navy blue pants up to black pants, they look different. And you can, you can tell the difference. When you put dark tan shoes up to dark black shoes, they look different. And so here I am, freshman in high school, already kind of you know, leery about what you look like anyway, and now I am sticking out like a sore thumb in a sea of people that all look the same. 
So I'm like, okay. My band director looks at me and goes, Greg, what are you doing? I don't know. My, my mom didn't help me walk out the door. I don't know what, what happened. But it's interesting. So I played the baritone, which if you're not sure what that is as an instrument, it's a mini tuba. So I thought, no problem. Mini tubas sit in the back row. Nobody's going to see me in the back row. However, I didn't factor in the fact that the, in order to get to the back row, you have to walk through in front of everybody. So I marched through with my navy blue pants, tan shoes, with everybody else wearing their black pants. So I was different in a sea of black and white. So maybe you're wondering, Greg, why are you telling us that story? Well, because it has everything to do with what we're going to talk about today. It's about being different. The passage of scripture today, we're gonna to unpack when we live out what Jesus' words are, when we live out the words, or this message, this command, it's gonna make, it's, it's, it's different because it's completely different than what um, our world thinks about and how we even wanna live out. What I love about being different is the fact that um, being, things change because of difference. Example, imagine if nobody thought how fast food was done it kept on doing, you know, um, how McDonald's did it and Burger King and Wendy's, like that, that was the staple. All we ever had was, you know, the, the microwave burgers and that, that's all it ever was. But then somebody came along and said, what if we do Chipotle and have like, you know, fresh food and like all of a sudden and then all this smorgasbord of, of, of freshness and fast food's not as, 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 as bad because somebody thought to be different. Or what about, um, I'm thinking about the baseball, if you watch a lot of baseball, Major League Baseball, what if... Um, no coach or manager ever thought about the shift being a big deal because in the shift, what happens, the whole infield shifts a certain way, so there's a lot less hits that happen, so pitchers have a lot better ERAs and all that stuff. But if nobody ever thought about that, there'd be a lot more hits in baseball and pitchers would have crazy ERAs and the scores would be through the roof, but because somebody thought differently. And what I love, what I, so I get to do, I work with students and kids and that phase of life, high school students, so much takes place in a student's mind and they do things differently. They can't do it the same way mom and dad always did it. And we were the same way. If we think about it, as, as adults, we think, well, we know best. But our kids are like, but well, I want to do it a different way. No, you got to do it my way. But maybe our kids might, if they think differently, the, when, when movements happen, when change takes place, it's because a group of young adults, high school students have thought of doing it a different way, and all of a sudden, for bad or good, don't hear me say it's all good, for bad or good, it's because a movement has taken place. And so I love working with students because they always think, they, they challenge to think a different way, and it keeps, keeps me on my toes a lot of times. So we are going to talk about um, being different. And it's interesting because different can be taken uh, good or bad ways, but today it's going to be taken in a good, good way. All right, so turn in your Bibles. Um, if you've got your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 6, we're going to fire up the app. Um, Luke chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, we have them in the seat backs in front of you, and we're going to look at a, um, a passage of scripture. And as, we, as you guys are turning there and getting there, I just want to give you some backstory of what where we're, we're dropping in in this in-between uh, mess of this, this story. So Jesus, he's, he's living among us, and he's in the middle of a sermon. He's preaching a sermon here um, um, on the, to a group of disciples, people who are his close followers, as well as other people who just um, have heard about Jesus. Maybe they, they'd heard what he's done, or maybe they've seen what he's done, and so they're curious, and so there's a huge crowd. It doesn't say how big the crowd is. It just says he's giving a sermon, a big message. And in this message, he gives a lot of... Um, uh, crazy, crazy one-liners, paragraphs that literally the first hearers had to go, what? And even us today, 21st century, have to go, Jesus didn't really say that, did he? So we're going to look at um, this passage of scripture 
of what Jesus says. So Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to look here, um, start reading here in verse 27, verse 28. So this is Jesus talking. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Those are easy words to take in, aren't they? Huh? Love your enemies. Um, Pray for those who mistreat you. Uh, Do good to those who hate you. And so it's interesting, that's a a hard thing to take in, even for that that crew. And it's a hard thing for us to take in. Because as as I even say these words, maybe you start, people's names start coming into your brain like, ooh, he's an enemy, she's an enemy, or he hate me, she hate me, and there, there's no way I can, I can pray for them that the things that, that's been done to me, and I, I, I can, there's no way I can do that. And those are all right thoughts to have. But we're gonna talk about how living different will change some of that stuff. But those words had to hit hard to them as well as to us, and it's interesting because when Jesus opens this up, in verse 27, he said, but to you who are listening, I say. And so he has this crowd, he's, he's preaching a sermon. It'd be like me saying, all right, you guys, listen in, here we go. Because no one ever dozes off when there's a message going on, right? I, I do it myself. Pastor Dan's up here speaking. I might, you know, be, what's for lunch today? Oh, back to, back to reality. All of us have, go through those moments. Teachers in the room, we understand when our kids are like in la-la land. So let's bring them back in. So Jesus is saying, to you who are listening, focus in. I'm going to tell you something pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, this is his one-liner. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And what's interesting about this, these words is the book of Luke, this is the um, sixth chapter of Luke, so there's six chapters before this one. This is the first time in this entire book the word love is used. Think about that. No word, so it doesn't, the first time Jesus doesn't say, hey, love your mom, love your dad, love your grandpa, love your kids. The first time that recorded in this book of the Bible, in Luke, that it said is love your enemies. Ooh. And then in the whole, by the time we're finished with this section of scripture, the, the word love is gonna be used six times and it all has to deal with people that are our enemies or people who hate us, mistreat us. It's fascinating. Um, what's also crazy is it's, it's so backwards because um, to do good to those who hate you, I mean, that, that's, that's hard to do. Who wants to do good? Who wants to be kind to someone who hates you? You know, somebody who hates you, like, I don't want to be kind to them. Or, or somebody who's mistreating you or, or giving you a hard time, like, pray for them? No, no way can I ever do that. What's so much easier, because it's not easy, what's easy to do is to, um, to seek revenge, right? If, if someone, if someone gets, 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 does me wrong, I'm doing them wrong. If, if someone's holding a grudge against me, I'm holding a grudge against them. Take that, you know? Or even better, not that any of us would do this, we start firing up our Facebook militia. It's like, all right, Facebook, here we go. This is my stance. This is my thing. Follow me, Facebook. This is follow what I'm going to say. And all of our Facebook followers are like, yeah! You know, and it's so easy to, to, to do that kind of stuff. And it feels good. But that's, that's not what, that's not the end goal. We can do that kind of stuff, but it's not going to be the end goal. So, why would Jesus say this? He obviously has no idea about my situation. You're thinking, Jesus doesn't know what's been done to me. Like, 
I, there's people that have done horrible things to me. I, Jesus doesn't, how can I love them? He doesn't know what, what I'm doing. But one thing to remember is Jesus knows exactly who you are and where you've been and what you've, what you've gone through. And that's the, the, the crazy thing about this passage is that he knows and he's telling us to live different. And maybe you're like, well, on the flip side, you're sitting here going, well, pff, this passage is easy to, to, to live out. I don't, I don't know anybody who's my enemy. Nobody, nobody hates me. I'm, I'm, I was voted friendliest in my senior class, senior superlative. Nobody hates me. You know, I, I, I hold no grudges against anybody. This so, pff, my neighbor needs to come and listen to this sermon, but I'm good, right? I'm fine. But what if we thought it a little differently? What if we thought about living out this passage for that person who cuts us off in traffic? We don't know him, we don't know her, but that, that feeling we have when they do us wrong, right? Or what about when we are uh, um, calling that, uh, that customer service rep and they're just giving us the runaround? Like, honestly, can I just talk to a manager? Manager, please, manager, please. And you're getting so mad at this customer service rep, you don't even know who they are, but you just want to go, ah! Just me, right? Nobody else does that, just me? But we all get there. So all of a sudden, it's like this person who's just innocently on the phone is now our enemy, in a sense. Or, okay, maybe those two might not hit home. What about those of us who have kids that play sports and that referee doesn't, give the call, or he gives the wrong call. She made the wrong call. That, um, that umpire, what is he doing? Did you see Facebook this week, that, that fight that broke out because umpire was not doing the right thing? It's like, oh my goodness. But you guys wouldn't do that, right? I, uh, I have a chance to interact with a lot of, uh, you know, good a lot of sporting events as a youth pastor, and I'll never forget one of the times I went to, I think it was a soccer game, and I'm sitting there with, a, you know, a family, and... Um, the, the, the dad stands up and goes, you stupid ref! And all of a sudden he's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. I said, it's fine, you're fine. Like, you're, you're into the game. But you could tell like, he just lost perspective. Like, um, you, you could say a lot of other things about referees. And if you're a referee, thank you for what you do for serving our community in that way. <laughs> Truly, I am. Like, it's funny, like, the, the rep they get. I, I would not want to be an umpire or anything like that. Nothing, they, you're always a 50% wrong in everything you do. But all that to say... Bring it into perspective is uh, many times when someone wrongs us or all that stuff, all we can ever think about is, is that, one, that one wrong they've done. So it's like, all, all we ever know is like, well, that person you know, did that to me, so therefore that's that kind of person and that's all the perspective we have of them. And so what Jesus here is trying to pull out is saying, yes, they, they've, they've hurt us and, and, and rightly so, um, but how can we think more than just that wrong they've done and think about the person of who they are? So when you get hurt or lied to, all we can think about many times are negatives. So Jesus' words here sting a little bit, and, and I'm, they, they sting me as well. But let's, let's read on here um, in chapter 6, uh, verse 29. If someone slaps you on the cheek... Turn to the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Well, those are some crazy words, right? So is Jesus saying, if someone punches me in the face, wow, I turn around and go, right here, this side. You could do that, and it would just have two broken jaws or two big things. But what Jesus is not saying literally do this, 
What he's saying to this crowd and to us is almost like by living out 27 and 28, by loving, by loving and, and, and showing kindness and praying, it's, it's, it's living out, that's how it would look to, to somebody. Um, if they, they fire words at you, instead of just firing words back, you might just you know, walk away. Or if you constantly pray for someone, someone who's just, you know, someone who's just annoying, you're just like, oh, this person is so annoying. If you start praying for them, or maybe that this person is just mean, mean to you, mean to other people, you just start praying for them. When you pray for someone, your perspective about them changes. It does. And I know it's, it's as I stand here thinking, like, Greg, you have no idea what that person does, what they said. I know. I, trust me, I know. But the more you start praying for someone, it's just a perspective changes. And so, what Jesus is telling us here is, you know, living out this makes this kind of stuff happen. All right, let's continue on here um, reading. Um, this is uh, verse 32, 31. So this verse is one that should be familiar to most. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. This verse is known as the golden rule. You've heard it before, right? The golden rule. Maybe something you maybe plaster on your um, you know, bumper sticker, maybe you've seen it you know, somewhere posted, maybe you even your, your parents uh, taught you how to live this way. And it's interesting because do unto others have you have them do unto you. Um, Jesus is not the first to actually coin the phrase. It was actually around before Jesus um, was here. I did some research on that. But when Jesus came and, and said it, it almost it put skin on it with the phrase. So what he's saying here is, do unto others if you'd have them do unto you, it's like, it's by loving other people, it's that whole, you know, the system goes. If you forgive, love, forgive, it just, it, it rolls that way. So he's saying that to all of us. Um, and if we, we live, if we start living that out, truly living it out, if we lived how we wanted to be treated, it, it can completely transforms um, what, what goes on in uh, in middle schools in America. Could you imagine if middle schools in America started living out that? Parents started living that out? How, what, what would transform in marriages, if um, relationships, families, our community? Woo! And so Jesus here is saying to these people, and I guarantee the first time they heard it, that, and this is before you could record anything, so it'd be like, Jesus, what, what, what did he just say? Did he just say, I have to be kind to people I don't want to be kind to and, and, and treat people I want to be treated? Like, that's crazy. And thinking, I'm thinking the same thing. He doesn't stop there. Continue on here in verse uh, 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will, have, you will be children of the most, um, uh, most High because he is the kind of the ungrateful and the wicked. Those verses are totally backwards than how we really want to live out. Totally backward. But if you put them into practice, it'll take you out of your comfort zone. It takes me out of my comfort zone. It's like loving people who I know aren't going to necessarily love me in return helping people out that aren't necessarily gonna turn around and help me in return. It's, it's just being kind, showing kindness, killing people with kindness. It's totally backwards. And then finally, Jesus um, lands, lands the ship here in this, this little uh, 
passage of the, the, the sermon, verse 36. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And this verse kind of sums up what this whole section is about. It, it sums up the whole, the whole section because it's saying that God, creator God, sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and he rose again. That's, that's Easter. That's part of the in-between. That's the, the second, the second uh, pillar there. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he came and died for our sins. And so God showed mercy to all of us. All of us deserve death. We're all sinners. We, we're born sinners. So Jesus came to say, um, your sins are forgiven. And for us to say, we need a savior and understanding, okay, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And so this is saying to this crowd as well as to us, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So we say, well, that person is mean to us. They say bad things to me. I, I, I cannot love them. But Jesus goes, I love you. Yeah, but I'm different. Are we different? No. We start comparing ourselves to, well, I'm not as bad as him, not as good as her. Like, there's no, we're all at the same level playing field. We all need a savior. All of us have to come to a point in our life and say, Jesus, you need, I want you to be in control. You're my savior. I want to follow after you. And by doing that, we understand God's mercy. And Jesus is telling to this crowd, this disciples, these are the, the first audience would have known what he's talking about here. He's saying, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. Woo. It's kind of interesting, this, this kind of model, this, this story plays out at different, different places, especially through the Bible. One story in the Bible in particular, it's found in the Old Testament. Now, you can read up, read up on it later. Um, it's found in 1 Samuel 24. And this is a, a story between King Saul, which is the very first king of Israel, and, uh, and David. David wasn't a king yet, but he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And there was some jealousy going on because King Saul, he was in charge. He had you know, all the army. Well, then David goes and kills Goliath, that big uh, Philistine. And when David did that, people started like, I like this guy. I mean, he looks good. He, you know, he, he's built good. And he starts getting a following. And so songs are being sung about David. David has killed his ten thousands. And then Saul comes in. And Saul's killed his thousands. Ten thousands! Thousands. And so all of a sudden, Saul gets jealous of David, which, like any of us would, right? If all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're in charge, everybody knows us, and all of a sudden it's like this new young punk comes in, and like everybody likes him and everything he's doing. It's like, this isn't fair. So Saul gets jealous. So in this story, what to talk about is Saul is trying to find David and kill him. Saul's like, I'm going to get rid of this guy who everybody gets excited about. I'm going to kill him. And so David is running for his life going all the places, running for his life. So David eventually, um, him and his, his crew of people he's running with, hide back in a cave. So they're, they're back in this dark cave. And while they're in that cave, Saul's men are walking by. And this is like, you can't script this. Like Saul's men are walking by. Saul has to use the bathroom. Where does a guy go to, go to the bathroom in biblical times? A cave. It's in the Bible, trust me. So Saul goes in, and even the Bible says, goes in to relieve himself in the cave. So David and his men are back in here, and Saul is doing his business. So while Saul is there, all of David's men are like, David, now's your chance. You can kill this guy who's chasing after you, and no one's gonna think different of you. 
David doesn't kill him. David does sneak up there, cut off a corner of his robe, and, uh, and he sneaks back, and Saul's all done and leaves the cave. And when Saul leaves the cave, David runs out and says, hey, Saul! And Saul turns around and goes, what? Hey, wh- where did you come from? And he goes, I was in that cave, and, and the person that was just going to the bathroom in the cave, is this part of your, 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 uh, your robe? And Saul's like, oh my, D- David could have took care of me, but he didn't. And the reason why David didn't do that is because he said, Saul is the Lord's anointed. There's no way I'm going to take the Lord's anointed and kill him. David showed Saul mercy. David, does, I mean, everything, you know, David deserved, you know, this guy was going to kill David. David could have easily, you know, killed Saul. And everybody in the world would have been like, yeah. It's not how God wanted to have, to have, have it happen. And so that was a great picture of God showing mercy, or David showing mercy to someone. And I encourage you to read that story. It's, it's a good one. Think um, now outside biblical story. Um, Christmas time, there's the, the Grinch who stole Christmas, right? You know, um, and so the Grinch comes on, his heart's really small, and he goes and steals the presents of everybody like, before Christmas. Like, who does that? The Grinch, right? He goes and steals everybody's Christmas presents. So when the, the Grinch does this, the whole town of Whoville, every, every, everybody wants to be mad at uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Grinch. And so what happens is obviously there's, there's people in the town that want to get back at him and stuff, but then there's this, this little contingency starting with Cindy Lou Who, and they start singing, la, 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 and everybody's like, oh, isn't that cute? And, but it's interesting when that happens, all of a sudden it just, it takes it into perspective of like, okay, he deserves, you know, being put in prison, be thrown away, but instead, let's show kindness to this this evil person and and see what happens. And I know that's a kid's book, but in reality, that's what we're talking about, what Jesus is talking about on a lot grander scale. So, there's a phrase that Pastor Bob uses. Pastor Bob Combs is one of the pastors here on staff. Um, One of the things that he talks about, he says, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. So when you think about people in your life who are, like, you get hurt by all this stuff, one of the things we can always know is that when, uh, when somebody's hurting us, we can realize there's probably more to their story that we don't know. And I'm not, don't hear me, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. We just know that when somebody's hurting us or being mean to us, usually there's probably something going on in their life as well. So it kind of helps with the perspective of if, if you're being, you know, um, hurt, there's something going on in their life to help, help get, get them to get through it. So what do we do with this? This teaching is a hard one to put into practice. Because you're, you're sitting here, you might be thinking, there are people who I consider enemies that there is no way I can love them. You might be like hearing what, what I'm saying here. Maybe you're down in the cafe, I'm talking, and you're like, okay, this is, Jesus is saying this, awesome. But there's people, there's no way I can love them. And, and you're right, there is no way you can love them. There's no way. And then you might be thinking, well, there, there are people who hate me and, and uh, there's no way I can be kind and, and there's people who, who curse me and there's, I'm not about to bless them. And then when I'm mistreated by someone, the last thing I wanna do or think I should, should do or be done to them is to pray for them. There's no way, and, and you're right, there is no way. There's no way to do any of those things, to love, to, to all that, on our, on our own. There's no way to do any of those things on our own. And that's what we're gonna talk about for the rest of our time here today is, is how, do, how do we do this? Because in our own strength and own power, there is no way that we can live out what Jesus said here. And that's what we're gonna talk about here as we, um, 
ready to land the ship here in the next uh, few moments. And that's to be different. Put your navy blue pants on in a black pants world. Gotta be different. So if you're taking notes or continue your notes here, I'm gonna give you just three ways to be different, all coming from this passage. And hopefully by, by us living this out in, in some microcosm way, it'll transform marriages, families, middle schools, communities, our country, and ultimately our world. Because these, these, this one-liner, imagine, even if you don't, even if you're not a, a Christian, you're not following Jesus, imagine if you would just, you know, be kind to other people, forgive other people. If, if we live that way, imagine how much would be just done away with, uh, you know, backstabbing, jealousy, and all, all that stuff. So, three ways to be different. The first one is this. These are simple. Love different. Verse 27 and 35, it says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those um, who mistreat you. And then he goes on in verse 35, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is, the, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Ooh. Imagine if we loved differently. If, if, we, if we put, as we learn about Jesus in between, we start putting those words into practice. And don't hear me say, they're not easy words to put into practice because there are evil people who've done some evil things to myself, and I'm sure you guys could attest to the same thing. Evil, evil, evil. So love different. The second, the second way to be different is to look different. In verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. What if we walked around and were showing mercy to people um, who don't deserve being shown mercy to? Imagine how that would transform, but it, and it would make us look different. And it's not about, oh, look at them, but people start seeing how we live and act. If, if, we, if we live differently, the people we work with will see a difference. The people we go to school with will see a difference. Um, I'm not sure how many have a chance to walk the halls of middle school, high schools these days. They're a little different than when we were there, if you, if you remember a few years back. But it hasn't changed much in the sense that people still are about, you know, Who's, who's, who's got this, who's got that, who's the popular people, who, all that stuff. But one, imagine we would transform in those, in those middle school hallways if, if, if people started showing mercy to other people. Ooh. Thinking, ah, oh, there's no way that can happen. Well, no, there's no way it can happen. Um, if I just stand here and say, this is what you gotta do. Jesus says it here, this is what you gotta do. But imagine if a few students at a time, the transformation that would take place all over the place. Loving looking different. And last, the last way is living different. Living different. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Imagine if, if we, all of us lived, like not just had that on our, on our mirror, 
drive by on a bumper sticker or see it, see it in a, you know, a Hallmark gift store, maybe that's a good saying. But if we actually lived it out, the difference it would make. And I want you to think through, like, all of us. All of us enjoy second chances, right? Imagine if none of us had second chances. Like, rewind back to middle school. The first thing you did wrong, done. Like, your parents showed you no grace, mercy, no second chance. That would stink. But all of us are sitting here today because we've been given the second chance. We all enjoy or appreciate having, okay, I, I, I screwed up, I want a second chance. We, we, we want to live that way. And Jesus models that way because if, if we just live like condemned death, no, Jesus said, you're condemned, I forgive you, you deserve life if you accept me. Ooh. People of the second chance. So love different, look different, live different. I want to share a story. This comes from, it's actually, I, when I was preparing this message, this was kind of before even all the flooding happened here locally, but this, hap- this is from a pastor, a guy, went, um, church leader down in uh, Houston, Texas, right during uh, Hurricane Harvey when that came in back in, I think it was 2017. And this is his perspective, and this is putting um, living different into, into practice. Let's just, I want to read this. It was really good. I want to read it verbatim to you guys. He says this, There are certain ethical situations which are often difficult to navigate, taking time, serious thought, counsel, and research. The answer to other situations is simple. If Jesus is my Lord, then the golden rule isn't just decor for a Sunday school room. The golden rule strapped its life vest on me and put me on a rescue boat as the rain kept pouring and pouring and pouring. I looked out my window and saw my street draining smoothly but I started to hear streets swelling with water. 10 minutes from my house, people were trapped. Single moms were in danger. The elderly needed immediate help. I couldn't stay home and watch Netflix anymore. The words of the Lord Jesus wouldn't let me kick my feet up while I had heard that my neighbors were in need. I knew by faith something had to be done. A friend at church texted and said he found a boat, told me to meet him at a makeshift rescue and dispatch station, and by faith I was ready. Our boat cruised over a four-lane road covered in five feet of water. We went over mailboxes, cars, docked our boat at the first address we were given. I hoped it was the right address. I couldn't see the numbers on the house. Terry and his wife were trapped upstairs with three feet of water in their home, and the waters kept rising. Terry was in his 60s. He was paralyzed from the waist down, and he has limited use of his arms. We put him in his wheelchair, carried him downstairs, and hoisted him up into the boat along with his wife and their dogs got me thinking, if I were paralyzed and trapped upstairs or a flooded home, I'd want someone to rescue me. Sure, it was a little dangerous, but it would have been more dangerous to ignore my neighbor and walk on the non-flooded side of the street, and discipleship is always dangerous to self. In my, if, if my home had been six feet of, of water in it, destroying nearly everything hit by polluted waters, photo albums, clothes, children, soccer cleats, would I want um, help mud, uh, mudding out my home? No. I, I'd definitely, by myself, no, I'd want help. I'd need it. Um, I'd need others to help me empty my garage without sheetrock and carry uh, waterlogged carpet to the curb. So Jesus tells me what I should do. Whatever you want done for you, do it for them. The golden rule is so simple and monumental that it can um, be described in a single sentence, and yet it can summarize up the whole message of, of the gospel. Don't sleep on the golden rule. It might toss you into a rescue boat. Jesus' words may cause you to pick up a hammer, become an amateur dispatcher, or even make gallons of gumbo for a shelter. The golden rule may even cause you to slow down and listen to what someone else is going through. 
When we got Terry to dry land, we put him in a truck, loaded up his things, and I told him one thing. It all happened so fast, I could only think of one thing to say as our eyes locked. The Lord Jesus be with you, and that's what I needed to hear too. Do unto others as you'd have done unto them, living different. Imagine if all of us just started living different, what the, the transformation that would take place. What Jesus is talking about here, like it's, 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 really, it's hard to swallow, it's hard to take in going, love my enemies, pray for those who mistreat me. And that's, that's so hard to do. But when we start living out how that looks in our, in our lives, in our, starting in our homes, then starting in our families, then going to our, our communities, our schools, our people we work with, and then eventually our towns, our, our state, our country, our world. By looking at Jesus and studying Jesus in between, we learn so much about Jesus' life. Um, we get a lot of picture of God's attributes. But in order to live differently, in order to, to live, love, look differently, we've got to first and foremost understand that Jesus Christ is, is Lord and Savior and in, in saying yes to him. Live, got, in order to, to be different, you've got to say, Jesus, you're my Savior. So you're walking, doing your own thing one, one way, and then all of a sudden you realize, I cannot go this way anymore. And you do a complete 180 going, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what he says. I want to do what he commands. It's going to be hard. It's going to be so hard. And that's the next thing. After you say yes to Jesus, you don't just stand by yourself. You put yourself around other people who are following Jesus. People who are going to help you because all of us go through tough times. <coughs> and we have people saying, okay, there's people who are hurting you and saying all this stuff to you. How can we be an encouragement? You have people coming around you, other followers of Jesus. And so you get a band together. That's the church. That's why we gather together. And then finally, when you can do that, you can share and show the love of, to be different with other people. In order to be different, we must trust that what Jesus commanded is true and put into practice what he so, uh, showed here on earth while living in between. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and uh, you're sitting here, and I want, you to, I want us to right now as, as, a, as, a, as a group um, silently for the next couple moments here, if, if there's names of people that come to mind, maybe it's somebody who's, like, if I say the word enemy, a name pops to your mind, or someone who, who mistreats you, or someone who hates you, if there's name, na- a name or names that come to mind, what I want to do right now, the next uh, moment, we're going to pray silently. I want you to just to pray for that, that person or those people right now. So let's just spend a moment in the quietness of this room, and let's just pray for those people. God, you just heard a bunch of names, I'm sure. This passage that you, uh, that we looked at today, you shared a long time ago and is still relevant today. It's, it's a hard one. God, we need your help. I, I pray for myself, pray for all of us um, listening, listening live or um, online. God, allow us to know that, uh, that we need you. 
God, we want to be able to, to love our enemies. We want to, uh, to bless those who curse us. We want to be kind to those who are mean to us. Pray for those who um, persecute us. God, I pray for, pray for marriages. Pray for families. Pray for, pray for our middle schools, high schools. God, we cannot do this on our own. We need you. Thank you so much for giving us this truth and allow us to live it out one relationship, one conversation at a time. It's all about you in Jesus' name. Amen.